This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. I have been following uh, the story of service animals on airlines now for a couple of years, and it went crazy. As all you had to do was, first of all, claim it's an emotional support animal, and all of a sudden you can bring an emotional support animal anywhere, as opposed to a service animal. And there is a huge difference. An emotional support animal is anything you can think of. Uh, You go on an airline, throw it on your lap, and you argue, I need this for emotional support. Yeah, fine. You know, what a crock. Service animals are highly trained animals. Uh, For example, uh, guide dogs for the blind, that's a service animal. Dogs uh, that help the deaf, uh, that's uh, when they hear the doorbell, for example, uh, when they bark. Uh, at you, which you can't hear. So the the uh, service animals for the uh, uh, the uh, the deaf are phenomenal because instead of actually barking, they do it with sign language. They take their little paws and move around, and uh, that's barking for them. So you know what a service animal is. So uh, the airlines have been going nuts, and it used to be almost everything that could be. It would be cats, which is generally okay, but I mean ferrets, I mean pigs. And it really didn't parrots. There was uh, one person who brought a parrot. It was a service animal. So uh, what is going on? And by the way, that's a policy now where I don't think by law you can say no to a a service animal. But the airlines are saying we're going to limit it uh, to dogs and strangely enough, miniature horses. You bring a miniature horse aboard an airplane, and how the hell do you do that? Uh, I I just, I've never seen one. I'd love to see it. Now, I've I've seen emotional support animals. They're pretty, they're actually uh, fairly small, and they go in their little carriers, and they go under the seats. It's always been pretty good. I've never had the experience otherwise. I do a fair amount of flying. But I would die to see a miniature horse support animal. I mean, that's spectacular. And uh, this is what Alaska uh, Airlines is saying. You know, uh, new policy went into effect. Uh, miniature horses, dogs, and cats are allowed. It's kind of bizarre. They're two to three feet tall, weigh 70 to 100 pounds. I mean, they're small, but they're horses. For God's sake. And they'll be able to stand only in front of the passenger seated in the front row of uh, the cabin. So it's not like you can put a miniature horse into a cage. Uh, it's spectacular. Incidentally, they have been known to be guide horses for the blind, which is, I'd love to see that. Uh, according to Uh, This is a fun uh, quote. Eric Lipp, who's the executive director of the Open Doors organization, it's a nonprofit that supports travelers with disabilities. And uh, it says, I can only name three people I know in the United States that have a miniature horse. Hmm. I would uh, I would do it. I really would. I mean, there have been hedgehogs, ferrets, snakes, rodents. Sugar gliders, those are kind of neat. You know what a sugar glider is? Little tiny, tiny sort of a flying little squirrel that's about an inch and a half tall. And you put them in your pocket and they hang out there. It's kind of neat stuff. All right, let's take some phone calls. Cindy. Hello, Cindy. Yes, ma'am. Hey, okay. 
My mother passed away about a month and a half ago and left a sizable estate to my brother and myself. I knew that she had been loaning him money over the years. I asked her to please document, and she said, don't worry. He's going to be a mensch about it. So basically, there's no uh, nothing signed. Nothing in writing. All right. No, but uh, I held on a minute. So on her check registers, she did put loan on the check registers for about $320,000 worth of the money she loaned him. The rest, of course, there was nothing. But she also sent me a letter that said most of the money that she's given him is to be deducted from his portion of the estate um, upon her demise. Okay, but it's not yeah. in the will. It's not in the will, correct? It's there. No, it's in mm. She had a trust. She had a trust. And there's nothing. In, and there's nothing in the trust that talks about loaning money and no, returning no, it. No, no, no. Her trust was done probably twenty-one All years right. ago. Now the money, the money that she wrote to him uh, was right. that was that out of the trust? Yeah. Or, okay. So it yeah, no it, no. In, it, it, it came out. It came out. I mean, it was assets from the trust. It was a checking account that was in the trust. Correct. Yeah. All right. Correct. Good. All right. So here's what you have. You're going to have a wonderful will contest on your hands for sure. Uh, how much money? So Three hundred fifty grand went from mom to brother uh, in her mind as against the inheritance, uh, and that was her head. Uh, brother Correct. obviously is saying no, clearly. Absolutely. Of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's a real mensch, isn't he? Yeah, it was, it was, it was a half a million. Oh, that's really. lovely. How much money but, are we but, talking about? How much money are we talking about? 20. Yeah, How much money are we talking about in general between the two of you right now? Uh, probably about 2.3. All right. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, you, pretty you, good. Yeah, you get to go and talk to a trust and estate lawyer, my dear. Uh, because, okay, well, yeah, go ahead. So we did, last day of her shiva, my sister-in-law says, oh, and by the way, we're going to see a trust attorney tomorrow to go over all the paperwork. So we went, he went and emptied out her safety deposit box without me, really cool. And um, basically, I brought this up, and he said, okay, well, I wouldn't try to screw my sister. I'll give you, you know. None of that matters. None None of that matters. None of that matters. That's all verbiage. But the attorney that we saw, who I don't really care for all that much, she said, well, I can mediate this for you. Well, I don't want her to mediate for me. Then you don't. Because she's, then you because don't. she's putting through all the papers. I, Cindy, so- you don't. And mediation, incidentally, doesn't mean anything. It's not binding. It's just a suggestion. You guys go halfway. Get an attorney that represents you. No mediation. Right. Just boom. You go after it. The attorney files a suit, uh, and the argument is going to be the 350. It was clearly uh, intended to be uh, deducted from the trust, and uh, therefore the money should be split up, per, including the 350 that went to brother. You need an attorney. I mean, that's it's a straight will contest. So get an yeah, attorney. Isn't that going to cost me about a hundred grand? No, 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 no. It's not going to cost you. No. Do you have anybody? You can yeah, go to handle. Ask? Yeah, go to the website. Go to handleonthelaw.com. We've got uh, several of them there, and they're pretty good. And uh, just and, and just ask a couple of them. Sit down and just say, "Hey, what do I do?" And uh, okay. ask for what have you done. Get some recommendations. Do some homework, and uh, yeah, that's what you're well. gonna have to do. Yeah, you're gonna have to hire an attorney. Now, it could be that an attorney might do it on contingency with the money that you're going to get. Okay, uh-huh. which you have to be a little careful. Give a percentage, but ask right. for delayed payment. Ask you can ask for a bunch of stuff, but it's going to cost you in the thousands. But it's not going to cost you a hundred thousand dollars. 
uh, at all. Okay. All right. Okay. Cause so, thank you, Bill. All right. You got it. Yeah, brothers, you know, brothers, brothers. Don't you love it? This is Handle on the Law. And uh, welcome back to uh, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handle, Saturday morning. And welcome to Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice when I tell you you have absolutely no case. All right, Russ. Uh, hi, Russ. Russ, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Oh, hi, Bill. Yes, sir. Yeah, a couple of questions here about uh, property ownership. <clears throat> I was just wondering, uh, um, the only proof I have of ownership of a property is the tax bill. That's not, pro- have, like, that's not proof of ownership. Yeah, should I have a deed or something? Yes, and it's recorded. You bought the property, correct? Well, actually, uh, when I married my wife, then after a few years, she put it into joint tenancy. Okay. And then she passed away. Doesn't matter. Then it's automatically yours. Okay. But how do I prove that? Okay. That's the question. Oh, I, but it's joint tenancy. Your name is on the property. Yeah, it says on the property bill. It says now. Forget about the property bill. We're talking about the title, and that's and that's easy. It's a recorded instrument. Oh, so it, do I a, have to go to a title company? No, you pull it out. It's a, it's a public record. It's, it's with the the county. Uh, it's with the records department. It's with the uh, what the hell did they call it? Uh, county recorder's office. It's right there. So you pull the yeah. Title. It's, it's right there. There it is. There's your name on the title, and that's how you prove it. By the way, why do you want to prove it all of a sudden? Well, I don't know. Well, in case something comes up, like, uh, like for instance, my uh, stepson, uh, they stopped a judgment lien against him for an unpaid credit card bill. And what does that have to do with you? Well, I own the property, presumably. Yeah, but what does that have to do with you? I mean, so what do they do? Do they go against the property for his credit card? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's not your credit card? No. Not oh, you, at all. you got a great lawsuit against them for going after someone who doesn't owe the money. So what would be the uh, – do I have to do a title search? Yeah, no, no, no. Again, it's, you pull the title. But I'd sue whoever no, – I, mean, I mean to find out about the liens. Uh, no, yes. Then you have – no, but because the, the liens will be filed against so the county recorder will have those too. Uh, so all you have to do is look it all up on the internet because that information – it's county records. Those are public records. It's all available. So you simply do an internet search. Now, usually, usually, or used to be, you'd have to go to the county recorder's office and sit there and pull the file. And they give you the file on the uh, the address of the property, and there's title, there are liens, there, and there's the, the purchases, the transfer of titles going back since the property was first built and sold. And it can go back. We had a, uh, Marjorie and I had a house that uh, it went back to 1927 that had been sold five times. And we just... Uh, just there it is. We tracked it all down, or actually, in our case, the title company did, and we saw it all. We could have gone to the county recorder's office, which they did, and they pulled it. And it was kind of interesting when I looked at uh, the purchases. For example, back in the 30s when the house was sold, uh, there were covenants on uh, the deed that said this cannot, this property cannot be sued uh, to people of, and I'm trying to get the, the language, particularly people of, of the Hebrew persuasion, the neighborhood, no Jews in the neighborhood, uh, no blacks in the neighborhood. You couldn't sell it. It was against the, against the law or against the, the deed restrictions to sell the property. And there it is right there. We loved it. We should have framed that document. 
Of course, it's invalid on its face, but it just goes to show you how much fun that sort of stuff is. So we have an old property. Just go pull all the old titles, the old uh, uh, transfer, the deeds. Very, very funny uh, stuff. All right. Uh, Joe, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Joe. Hi. Yes, ma'am. Hi. Um, So I need some advice. I have a coworker who's a friend of mine as well. He's an older gentleman. He's probably in his 70s, and he recently met a girl. And long story short, they've only known each other maybe two to three weeks, and she's already asking him for $25,000 for a supposed surgery that she needs. She wants it cash. And we confronted her last night, and um, during this confrontation, she started to tell him, you see, I told you, I told you they weren't going to let us be together. I told you they were going to try to keep us apart. They weren't going to like us to be together. She's a lot younger. She's probably, I want to say, in her early 30s. And um, towards the end of the confrontation, which didn't last very long because she seemed like she wanted to get out of there, she said, give me your phone. I need to delete all my information from your phone. We can't talk. You can't contact me. We can't be together. I told you this was going to happen. And she deleted all his all her information from his phone. Okay. Luckily, we got it earlier that day, and I got phone numbers. I got addresses, history from... Um, all right. So what happened? Did she, did she get the money? No, but later on that night, she called him sobbing that she's a very sick girl. She loves him so okay. much. All right. So what? Okay. Got it. Okay. Did she get, but she didn't get the money. No, but he's going to give it to her. Well, there's he's nothing, already, there's nothing you can do. You're, are you related to this guy? No, but we don't want to see him get taken advantage of. Well, I don't know if is there anything. No, 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 there really isn't. He's entitled to give his money to whoever he wants. Even if you I know mean, it's a ripoff. Yeah. Now, the way to do it is to, uh-huh. if he's not particularly lucid, uh, you he's can... Not. Re- he actually is okay. not. He then, does have a mental disability. Then, then you go in and ask for a conservatorship instantly. Conservatorship. Conservatorship. Okay. You want a lawyer on this as quickly as possible before he hands her the money. Because the argument is he is unable to make the decisions on his own and he is a victim or about to be a victim of elder abuse and fraud, you can actually stop uh, all the all the money uh, accounts that he has, everything. You can just shut down the accounts and freeze them. Problem is, if he has a bunch of cash available, if he keeps money yeah. under his mattress, again, okay. uh, you're, as a conservator, uh, if you assume you get it, then you can uh, go after her to get the money back, but... Uh, she's she, if she gets it, she's never giving it back. Yeah, no. And then it becomes a criminal is issue. Kind of like power of attorney. Power of attorney is the power of attorney is not going to do it. I don't think. Okay, but so, is it kind of like the same lines where I have to like, get an attorney and legally? I would get documents. Okay, I would. Otherwise, he's, she's going to get the money. I mean, there's nothing you can do. How old is he? He's in his early seventies, and he she's retired a long time ago, and she's in her thirties. She's young. She's, well, she's young. Well, there's not, you know, there's not much you can do. People can give away their money to whoever they want. Yeah, I know. And that's and even if you know they're getting ripped off, if you know she's going to clean them out and leave, you know, again, unless you can prove that he's unable to take care of himself. And uh, then again, uh, is it a family member that's going in? Just someone who knows him, a friend. So that is yeah. something that it becomes it's another hurdle you have to go over. Uh, but, you know, call yeah. – what's yours what you do? You have to call an attorney instantly. You can go to uh, my website. You can go to handleonthelaw.com and say this is what's going on. 
and it could be that the accounts could be frozen pending an application. There, there are a lot of things that can be done, but you need to go to an attorney like right now. Should I get his family involved? Like, yes, yes, yes. You get his family involved. Damn right. Okay. You know, and we'll see. And hopefully they're interested. And if the family now we're talking about a family member walking in and asking for a conservatorship. This is my dad. This is my granddad. This is now the judge is looking at it really carefully as opposed to a stranger coming in. And it's just someone wants to take care of him. Uh, That's not as close a uh, connection. This is Handle on the Law. Welcome back to uh, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handle here. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Hi, Maria. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey. Yes. I'm a real estate, hi, I'm a real estate agent, and I have a, a transaction that I'm being screwed up on. I was hired in 2000. 14 to lease a house, a big $5.6 million mansion in Orange County. And I was high, uh, I listed it for seventeen three per month, 17300 per month. Within a month, I found a tenant, and I uh, got him in for 17000 a month. He is a workers' compensation attorney. And my contract was a standard contract, 5%. I represented both sides. If the guy leases it for a second year or a third year, I get the renewal commission. If the guy purchases it, I also get a 5% purchase commission. They both were very happy with me. Both sides were very grateful and happy. Then the third year, he's been there 2015, 2016, and then in 2017, the owner said, hey, thanks, Maria. We don't need you anymore. He's a lawyer. I married a judge. We can do the contracts on our own. Thanks. Bye. All right. And I said, hey, I still have a contract. Uh, I get the money. and Okay. Uh, so I far, so good. Uh, and so, all right. So they don't want to pay right. you. You, owe, uh, you, you they get the money. They didn't want to pay me. All right. So I thought, weird. Why? You know, they've been so happy. What's going on? So I noticed. I looked at the title. She had changed it into an LLC. So I said, hey, well, when I do the renewal paperwork, if you let me, um, I have to have you sign a representative capacity signature disclosure to make sure the right person is signing the document. And uh, our company would like to have a copy of the operating agreement for the LLC just to have on All right, so there's paperwork issues. So uh, I don't want to go through uh, the weeds here. Uh, So, Maria, what is your question? Well... I think they changed it into an LLC to have to sell it to the buyer through the LLC. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's if they're not paying you and they're going around and you know jumping through hoops to make sure you don't get paid. That's an easy one uh, because the argument is all they're doing is creating all of that to uh, to eliminate uh, a commission that's owed. You know, the law well, is not going to say, oh, because you changed uh, to an LLC. I mean, the, the relationship still stays the name, even if they put it in, stays the same, even if they figure out they're going to put it in different names, unless they're taking it to a different person or different organization completely. Correct. Well, they won't give me the operating agreement. Well, then you sue them. It's real simple. Do you have a, you, you're under a broker, correct? 
I am, but the broker doesn't want to take the case because this woman married a superior. Well, then, you, then you're going to have that's a different issue. Then you get to sue on your own, Maria. And here's the okay. sh- and here's the shame of it. Your broker is going to ask for his or her percentage, even though you're going to have to pay the attorney's fees. So you okay. may have to sue not only the people that owe you the money, but mm-hmm. your broker when your broker turns around and grabs the commission. By the way, uh, the broker is also in violation of a contract that you have with the broker because the broker has to step in and do this. Okay. I'll look into that. Yeah, so you're screwed on two different in two different ways, Maria. Yeah, it's been a, it's a hard thing to. Yeah, take how much money? Out. How much money do you think you're owed, Maria? Two hundred seventy thousand dollars. Okay, and there's attorney's fees clause all through that. Yes. So uh, you have you have no choice. You have to, you have to sue. You have absolutely no choice, and. Uh, it's it's a mess. You're a mess. You have a broker that's screwing you. You certainly have clients that are screwing you uh, because they don't want to pay you $270,000 that's owed. Isn't that lovely, huh? All right. Jerry. Hi, Jerry. You're up. Welcome. Jerry, you there? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I was so enthralled. Okay, listen, I received... Um, Letter from an outfit called All Tran Financial LP. Yeah, we don't use names, but that's okay. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Um, the what they tell me is that they have been contracted to lead and represent in the collection of a judgment awarded to um, a certain bank. This judgment judgment number, and they give the number awarded in nine twenty five two thousand ten, and holds current balance of. Four thousand some odd dollars. Okay, so they're saying it's a judgment that they have. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. So, what's your question? Well, uh, do you know this is in two thousand ten? Yeah, but it's a judgment. Okay. Do you want to hear? Do you, do you know what the? Do you, do you have any idea what the statute of limitations is for a judgment? No, I don't. Ten years. Ten years. Yeah. Okay. You're within. Right. You're within the judgment. Okay, so they're still chasing me because... Yeah, because you owe the money, and they have a legal right to chase you. You're within the statute. Okay, fine. All right. All right, are you happy? Okay, fine. I'll pay the money. Oh, I feel better. Gee, Bill, thanks for telling me that I owe the money. I had some doubts, but now that I don't, I'm a happy camper that I owe the money. Those are the kind of calls that I like. Tony! Hello, Tony. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. I wanted to see if I have a case. Um, I dropped off a, a truck at a mechanic uh, months ago. We agreed on just changing the engine, which I thought was only going to take a few weeks per our, our verbal discussion. Okay, this is, your, this is your truck, right, Tony? Correct. Okay. Correct. Uh, the mechanic ended up taking four months. Uh, at that time, the, the used engine that I had purchased had a 30-day warranty. Uh, since the mechanic took a very long time, the, the engine ended up becoming defective at the end of four months. Now, I don't know if it was because of defective engine from the supplier or whether it was the cause of the mechanic and the installation. Either way, I need to know if, if I have like a breach of contract. Uh, you know, I, well, yeah, here's the, the problem. And that is, uh, you have a 30-day warranty, and, and you're talking about an engine to be replaced, correct? That's correct. All right, so how long did you anticipate it was going to take the engine to be installed? Two weeks. All right, so you then, therefore, you have a two-week warranty. 
I don't. I I lost you. Okay, so it's 30 days. Is it from the purchase, or is it from the time the engine is finally installed? It has to be from the purchase date. That's correct. All right, and if they took two weeks just to install it, uh, what's left? What's left is a two week. I'm sorry. I understand. I understand. But what I'm saying is, under the best of circumstances, you had a two week. Uh, warranty because it took a couple weeks to get in, and instead they took four months. Correct. So now the engine's defective, correct? Correct. All right. Correct. So uh, he is, and you don't know uh, who is at fault. Well, correct. I would argue uh, I would sue them both because you have no you have no choice because you're certainly not going to know whether it's defective or not unless you take it to another uh, dealer, another mechanic who's going to say this engine is defective. And it's not a question of warranty, they sold you a defective engine. Not that an engine that went south after you bought it that was in pretty good shape, that's a warranty. But if right. they knew or should have known that the engine was defective from minute 1, that's a breach of contract. That's a straight out breach. Want- they wouldn't know until the engine is running. It's those type of engines where you, you can do your due diligence in the beginning, but you won't know till the... doesn't even matter. If it's defective, it's defective. Right. But, but no, but the thing is, the way it's, it's defective is that it, it could be caused by the mechanic. Too. Then, you have, like then, then you're going to have to sue, and both of them are going to be pointing fingers at each other. And you're going to have to bring in another mechanic, and uh, the mechanic's going to say, I don't know whose fault it is. And the judge is either going to split it and say, mechanic, you pay half, and uh, distributor or manufacturer, you pay half. Or the judge is going to say, you know what? We can't figure out who's at fault. You're getting nothing. Jeez. D- right, I so- don't know which way it's going to go, but you, you have no choice. Yeah, if- so the mechanic labor, the labor to install the engine was only 1500 but the engine itself costs five thousand you're suing them uh, both for seventy five hundred bucks yep got it okay. i mean that's it and you're probably not and, and the uh, mechanic is probably not going to get hit for it's going to be the manufacturer well i did let the mechanic know the text and i have documentation of this that you know appending the 30-day the uh warranty the expiration i kept texting him texting him hey like, where are we? Like, the engine. All right. So he's, I understand. So that just adds to your case. But the bottom line, you're going to sue two different people, and it's a mess. At this point, uh, I mean, if, you, if I'm the judge and uh, you brought that case to me, I probably wouldn't have spent as much time with you as I did on the phone here and just say, just get out. Just leave. I'm just not interested. Uh, which, incidentally, judges do. This is Handle on the Law. Welcome back to uh, KFI AM 640. More simulating talk. Bill Handel here on a Saturday. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Hello, Stephen. Welcome to Handle on the Law. So I have a caterer that um, has to be approved for a venue. Um, and the, we gave her a $500 deposit. And we made the agreement that, oh, gosh. We made the agreement that um, that if she doesn't apply, if she doesn't get approved, she has to give us the money back. Right. She hasn't even applied. All right, then you get the money back. All right, then you get the money back. That's easy. But I want to know if I can sue her for damages. We Uh, have a more expensive caterer and a more expensive DJ that she promised. All right, hold on. So you have a more expensive caterer, and you want to sue for the difference what the contract was to relative to what the caterer is going to charge. Now, is it yes. is it for exactly the same food and the same amount? Is there anything different about the food? 
Yes. Then uh, what are you going to go with that? Well, it's the it's the only people that we can find. It doesn't even matter. It does, I mean, I understand okay. that. But when, uh, for example, when I got married and when my kids were bought mitzvah, we went to a venue. It was their cater. It happens right. all the time. And go, this is it. Either you use now, our the, either use our cater or you're not coming here. That's fine. Now our DJ, she promised us a DJ. The cater was going to provide a DJ. The DJ costs about seven hundred fifty more. Then it's the same amount of hours. Could we sell for the difference in price for the DJ? You can try. I'd sue. Just uh, I mean, okay. there's for seven hundred fifty dollars. That's a lot of money more for a DJ. I don't know how many. D- I mean, a DJ should be three four hundred dollars to begin with. Right. Her her DJ was about that, but the DJ that we have now, it's the same amount of hours. All right, but wait, but wait, you but you can bring in any DJ. So why are you bringing in a DJ that's seven hundred and fifty dollars more? I could get on the phone right now and get a DJ for tonight. Right. So I don't understand why are you hiring a DJ that's if it's seven hundred fifty dollars more? You're talking about an eleven twelve hundred dollar DJ. Who the hell spends that much money for a DJ? Well, I mean, it's, it's the cheapest we can find in the Bay Area, but I guess we'll have to keep looking. Right? Yeah, you got to keep looking because that seems really pricey. Uh, but it's all pretty complicated stuff, especially when you're dealing with food and different caters, only because it's all so different uh, that uh, even a caterer is more money. And, there, if there, and I asked, is there any difference in food? Is there any difference in the quality of the meat, for example? Is there any difference in how much they provide? So all of that is really speculative. Hey, Joanne. Hi. Yes, ma'am. When you are appointed a trustee to a trust, yes, are you given a copy to that person's will? Uh, the will or the trust? The will. Uh, if there is a, if the trust incorporates a will, yes. Oh, then the answer is yes. If the if the will is totally separate and is not mentioned in the trust, then no, you don't need to, because they're two different instruments. No, because it was part of the trust. Then you absolutely have to have a will. Absolutely. Okay, so who? So the trustees do have a copy of that. Oh, absolutely, will. sure. They did. Okay, because my sisters claimed they did not. Yeah, they, and they, they were both they, trustees. Yeah, they got a copy. Well, we finally got it, but they won't tell us where they found it. Oh, it doesn't matter. As long as you have it, it doesn't matter. Uh, okay. Yeah, you're fine. Just as um, long. Yeah, I don't now, know. That means they may be playing games. Who the hell knows? But oh, was, we already. Yeah, we already know that. But upon my father's death in 1998, mm-hmm. my mother was his first beneficiary, while my siblings and I were the secondary beneficiaries. Were, should we have been given a copy of the will back then? No. 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 Okay. No. You only need a copy of the will uh, when uh, actually when the will is read, and at that point you get to find out whether or not your beneficiaries or not. So, no, there's no... Well, the will wasn't read. The will wasn't even read. We it doesn't just... matter. If you know, if you got a copy of it and you know that the assets were distributed pursuant to the terms of all of it, you're going to be fine. I mean, there's no, no harm, no foul at all. Even huh? though it was... Mm, he died in 1998. When was, mother... and when, when was all the money distributed? It's still being done. All right, well, it's a long time. Why, is it, take, why is, is it taking so long? Oh, you'd have to ask my two sisters. You can let me tell you. You can force the issue after ten years. Okay. Oh yeah. How much money are we talking about here, Joanne? Lots. Lots. Uh, over a million. That's lots. All right. I'll buy that. All right. Okay. It's not lots and lots, but it's lots. Yeah. See, there's uh, there are levels here. There's lots, 
And then there's oh, okay. lots and lots. Okay. okay. And then there's lots, lots, and lots. And then you're going to the stratosphere. Uh, okay. And then that's good. And then there's moderate. And then there's why'd you even call that such a crap figure? So, but you're into lots. I'll okay. grab that. Yeah. Okay. Fair okay. enough. And uh, so, and that money is still there that hasn't been distributed, or most of it has? No. Uh, um, well, it's starting to because my mother passed away in 2015. Oh, got it. All right. Oh, slow. yeah. Okay. They're so your mom, very, okay. Very your, all right. Got it. Your mom's still around. So it was uh, your mother's trust and will that we're talking about. Well, but my father had his own. So it's been 10 years since your father's distribution. But if you left all the money to your mother, uh, then uh, then there's nothing to distribute because your mother got all the money, and then it's per- and then distrib- distribution are her assets. Oh, this is complicated. Yeah, it is, and uh, I barely understand it, even though I sort of do. And you're not even close. This is handle on the law. This is handle on the law. Marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Now, this is a fun one. Uh, and this has to do – there's no legal issue here uh, because, I mean, occasionally I'll do uh, what affects everybody. But this one is just kind of entertaining. All right. There is uh, a man, uh, and uh, he has a son. Uh, he's uh, 76 years old. And uh, he and his father have uh, – well, the, the 76-year-old and his son have uh, this – Let's say altercation. And uh, the son is mowing the front lawn when his father gets very upset with him because they're having a fight and goes after him with a chainsaw. And uh, this is kind of interesting uh, because the now keep in mind uh, that he was riding a lawnmower, the son. So dad goes after him with a chainsaw. I mean, a working chainsaw. I mean, a chainsaw that's on. And so what the son does is he takes the lawnmower and tries to escape and somehow runs over his dad with the lawnmower. And uh, the dad had to have his front leg amputated, or his uh, one of his legs. He's not a horse, so he only has uh, not front or back legs. And had to have uh, his leg amputated. So uh, he was found bleeding from the leg and the head, taken to the hospital where they had to get rid of his leg. Incidentally, the old guy was the one who was uh, nailed. Uh, He was uh, jailed uh, on attempted murder charge because he first uh, went after him with a a chainsaw. I like that. I like that. This this is family uh, altercations. You know, they call this domestic violence. And you don't often get running chainsaws and people running over uh, other people with uh, lawnmowers, uh, riding lawnmowers that where legs get cut off. I mean, it's a great story, isn't it? Bristol, Tennessee. Does that tell you a lot? And I'm looking at a picture of the old guy. Ah, just what a piece of work he is. Uh, I, I can see that. Just uh, really tough. Let's take some phone calls. Uh, hey, Amy, welcome to Handle on the Law. Okay, my parents just died, and they have a trust in an IRA. And um, I want to (laughs) know, do I have to pay off their credit card, or if I just keep ignoring it, will they just leave me alone? When you say they both died, uh, simultaneously? No, no. One died like a year ago, and one just died. All right. How much is credit card debt? About $3,000. Yeah, they're probably not going to bother. How big is the uh, trust, the estate? 
Um, no, it's it's. I would say it's under five hundred thousand. Well, okay, no house. Yeah, all right. Here's the deal: the estate is responsible to pay off the debt. Okay, there okay. Is, there is no question about it. Uh, this now the issue is for three thousand uh, dollars. How what what do they do? And uh, how many credit cards are we talking about for the three thousand dollars in debt? One. Okay, one. Um. I, you know, considering you have half a million dollars, uh, I would probably pay 3000 or cut a deal. Call them up and go, okay. hey, you know, my parents are dead. Uh, we're trying to figure this out. We don't know how much money they have. Uh, how about $1,000 right now to get rid of it? Okay. Do you have access to the money? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm Got the, it. Uh, so, trustee. I'm the person. All right. So here, I mean, do you have access to the money now? Is there money you can write a check against? Um, I... I think so. All right. If there is, you cut a deal saying, hey, folks okay. folks are dead, don't know how much money, uh, you know, I'm going to front the money, and let's just figure out what we can do that, and uh, you can, uh, you know, against my par- uh, my folks' estate, just wrap this one up. And what I would do is pay uh, the money out of your pocket, and then just reimburse, uh-huh. your- and then just reimburse yourself. Oh, okay. Okay. And that's the cleanest way of doing it, because yes, responsible, but you always cut a deal. Okay. All right. And uh, All right. yeah, and and don't worry about your uh, your parents' credit because uh, they're kind of dead, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that helps. I didn't think they come get them? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay. It's kind of hard. All right, Amy, that's the shot I would give. Okay. All right. Thank you. You got it. Bye. Hey, Henry. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Okay. What can I do for you? Hey, how you doing? Uh, Long time listener. Um, just uh, at the time of marriage, uh, when the wife takes your last name. But then when you go to divorce, on the divorce papers, do you file it under the last name that she took or under her maiden name? It's what her legal name is, Henry. So then it would be the name that she took. Right. It's your name. Okay. Uh, right. Or you can, you can throw in her name, too. You know, put both those names in. Uh, you know, yeah, Hen- like an AKA? Yeah, not even AKA. You, yeah, you can put AKA. Uh, even though, Yeah, you can put an AKA and you're done. Then there's no issue. So you're fine. Right. Okay. Right. So, th- what are the pros and cons, though? Basically, if uh, if it doesn't go into the legal name and not, uh, the, you know, the maiden name, it doesn't even. Henry, it doesn't even matter. It's her call. Yeah. Gotcha. It's uh, the pros and cons. She, she's carrying your name, so and you feel horrible about her. You uh, have to tell the world that's uh, your last name and it's not hers. Or, but it doesn't matter. There's no pros. There's no cons. Uh, the only okay. thing that possibly may uh, may be an issue is uh, let's say she gets into serious debt and sees her name, and then they run some kind of a, uh, a credit uh, asset search, and your name comes up because you were previously married. But all you have to say is we've been divorced for five years or ten years, and you're going to yeah. be fine. Yeah. That's gotcha. it. You're Alrighty. good. All right. Uh, hey, Paul. Hey. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? So about 30 years ago, I got into a bad business deal, and I sued the partner, and I won $20,000. Well, he had no money, had nothing to lean against, absolute zero. What I'm wondering now is, can I still go after that money, or do I have to renew the judgment? Okay, well, let, okay. let's uh, talk about the actual judgment. Do you have the document with you, the judgment? Yes. Okay, so uh, here's what I'd like you to do with it, okay? Is uh, you want to cut it into four-inch squares and put it in the bathroom <laughs> just in case you run out of toilet paper. Okay. All right. 
30 years ago. Uh, yes. Doesn't work that way. You're done. Okay. All right. Nice talking to you. Hi, Karen. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yeah, Bill. Yes, ma'am. Uh, yes, I want to know exactly the very youngest age a child can refuse to go with a parent on visitation days. Well, I don't think there's any specific day, uh, age, but obviously the older a child gets, uh, it's then it just becomes a matter of practicality. What do you take a 15-year-old who says, I'm not going? And what do you do? Throw that person? Yeah, what do you do? Throw the kid in handcuffs? Yeah, that's somebody yeah. that's uh, I know. I mean, you know, what do you call the visitation police? Uh, it's You know, the, the, the courts are so full, you can't even get in. Like well, here's the, easy, okay, here's the easiest way of doing it is that if the child does not want to go with the parent, I'm assuming this is a specific question, how old is uh, the child in question? Nine. Oh, that's a problem. Yeah, I know. That's a, that, a nine-year-old can be forced. Yeah. Because that's so young uh, that the visitation police will come out and arrest him. Uh, you ever seen a nine-year-old? You ever seen a nine-year-old in uh, handcuffs? It's not easy. No, no, I, it's not an easy I, thing to see. Yeah, I'm, talk- I'm talking about the child refusing to go with the parents. Yeah, no, I understand. No, I get that. No, I completely understand that. But uh, they, they they do call the visitation police. Oh, and okay. uh, Oh, yeah. And then they come out and uh, they will handcuff the kid and throw him right in the back seat and deliver him to the parents. Yeah. I wouldn't oh, worry. really? No, of course not. Oh, okay. uh, Yeah, of course yeah, not. No, yeah, no, no. Yeah, no. Okay. Yeah, but bottom line is a nine-year-old is going to have a very tough time. A 14-year-old, for example, what are you going to do when a 14-year-old says, no, I'm not coming. I just won't, I just won't come. And then you have, uh, and no court's going to order that, I don't think. I mean, maybe, but I, you know, what are they going to do? Literally force the issue, right? Get the, uh, no, no, it's just not going to happen. This is Handle on the Law. KFI AM640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handle here, and welcome back to Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. Okay, why don't we take another phone call? Hi, Max. Max, you're up. Hello. Yeah, I had a, uh, I talked to you about this previously uh, a while back. I'm a maintenance contractor for, uh, we take care of shopping centers, and there was a major drug chain that had abandoned their uh, store uh, in Southern California, and we were doing the work for them on the inside and their exterior of their building, and I'm not under contract with them, but I am under contract with the the property manager that maintains a common area, and uh, what ended up happening is that uh, now that major drug chain is, is contacting me to let their vendors in to do repairs and uh, take out all the homeless people. Well, what do you mean um, contacting you? Uh, do you have all the keys? Is that it? Yeah. And uh, and basically what it is is that uh, the homeless took over the, the, uh, the, the drugstore. And uh, so everybody got, uh, you know, they basically just crossed the place. And uh, prior to them contacting me, the city wanted to shut down the shopping center due to the fact that it was um, uh, uh, unsafe, unsanitary. Okay, so what? So what is your connection to this at this point? Other than you did the work, and uh, you either did or did not get paid. I don't. I don't quite understand. No, your... we didn't get paid. Well, now what's happening is that there's uh, a major uh, fitness uh, uh, outfit wants to get into the building and turn it into uh, you know one of these like twenty four hour type fitness. Okay, and and. They're contacting me to let these vendors in to um, 
um, I, I don't understand why I don't understand why the landlord just doesn't change out the keys. Why? Uh, why? Why would they do that? Why? I have no idea. That, I mean, it's crazy. Uh, you can say yes. You can say no. I'm holding on till I get paid. I mean, it's just whatever it is. But uh, right. the answer is uh, bypassing you would be it would take about two minutes. Right, exactly. But there, nobody wants to go into that. <laughs> All right, that's their problem. That's yeah. their problem. You, uh, right. the, your only situation is you you weren't paid, correct? Right. So you just sue. You just sue uh, and try to get your money. How much do they owe you? Um, we're taking three and a half years, a little over forty-two thousand. Whoa! It's time to get a lawyer, and you're suing. And you know the fact that people are coming in or out—that's not. I don't think that's your problem. I really right, don't. Right. Well, you know, I've been at the shop, that one shopping center. My company's been there thirteen years, so All you right. know, we have major uh, retailers there. And, uh, you know, basically I'm the only person that gets rid of the homeless. Yeah, I don't understand. Uh, unless you are the unless you are officially management, you manage the property. Well, I'm the owner of the company, so my, my duty is to basically the, the common area, the sweeping, the pressure. Wait a minute. You own the company that's in, you own the company that's in charge of uh, cleaning the place, clean, uh, keeping it clean? The common area only, not their building. Okay, well, then you've done a job, as long as it's nice and clean. So the homeless people walk over a very nice, clean sidewalk, and then they go inside and crap all over the building. Well, pretty much it. Okay. Yeah, but I think it's, well, first of all, it's certainly time for you to get an attorney to sue. Uh Uh, And I'm assuming you have a contract with uh, the owner of the building? Uh, no, nope, that's just it. I don't have a contract with the owner. All right. Well, now. then you get a, then you oh, that's a problem. But that's why you need a lawyer on that one. How can you manage a building and real estate and do work without a contract? Boy, that's beyond my totally beyond my comprehension. Uh, Alan, hello, Alan. Welcome. I'd like to know if I can avoid uh, probate by plagiarizing all the legal verbiage of a trust and type it out myself. Sure. Use that as a Absolutely. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Here's a, It's all up on the Internet. You can, there's many different forms that you can get for free on a trust. Sure. How much, let me ask you, how much money are you talking about, the assets of the trust? A million. And why wouldn't you spend some money with an attorney doing it for a million dollars, Alan? I'm just part Hebrew. Part Hebrew. Oh, well, whoa, part Hebrew, yes. Well, I'm all Hebrew, and uh, I would still hire a lawyer. As a matter of fact, Alan, I am a lawyer, and all, not part Hebrew, and I would never not have a lawyer do it. Alan. Okay. uh, You know, just be kind of smart on this, okay? It's not that much money, and you want to make it absolutely airtight. How many beneficiaries do you have? Well, I'm going to have one beneficiary and one trustee or executor. No, it'll be a trustee. If it's a trust, you'll have one exec, one trustee and one beneficiary. Yeah, or I might make it two beneficiaries. Okay, well, here, okay. Whoa, hang on. You might make it two. And who are these people, uh, the beneficiaries? Well, uh, these people, um, I, I've cared for them for 20 years. And okay. I have no family. All right, so. I'm going to leave them something. Okay, so you leave one something, you don't leave the other, maybe not. What happens is uh, that uh, you have uh, there. There's an immediate attack on the uh, on the trust by someone oh, who me. who should. Gee, I should have gotten some money, and you told me, Alan, that I was probably going to get some money. Therefore, I go ahead and uh, hire a lawyer and hit the trust, Alan. Make it as airtight as you can. Okay. 
Well, I want to. That's right. And I, then that's I'll what you do. Then you then you uh, hire then you hire a lawyer, I'll, Alan. I'll, I may hire you. No, nah, you're not going to hire me because Alan, I don't do trust. Remember, I hire lawyers to do trust. Okay. Thank yeah, you. you got it. And uh, make sure it's at least half a Hebrew lawyer. See, a lot of people think that you have to have a Hebrew lawyer to really make it work. Matter of fact, here is an absolute true story. Early days of my surrogacy practice, low these many decades ago, uh, one of my first clients was an Egyptian banker. And uh, he represented uh, interests, and he put together a lot of money, syndicate money, from Saudi Arabia, from Kuwait, uh, from uh, the Emirates, uh, just a whole group of people that uh, put the money into his bank, and that money was then used to buy and to loan uh, money uh, for various real estate ventures. And I said to him, I said, listen, uh, do you have a problem dealing uh, with a Jewish lawyer because you're Arab? And, uh, you know, there's a lot of contention between, uh, you know, Jews and Arabs. And he said, Bill, let me tell you, I have actually sat around the table in Saudi Arabia among some of the wealthiest Saudis where they literally look at each other and say, my Jew lawyer is smarter than your Jew lawyer. No, you're, no, he's not. My Jew lawyer is smarter than yours. Okay, let's hire ourselves a lawyer, at least half Hebrew. Okay, that's important. This is Handle on the Law. This is KFI AM640. We're stimulating talk. Bill Handle, Saturday morning. And welcome back to Handle on the Law. Uh, Alicia. Yes. Yes. Go ahead. My husband is being falsely accused of having sex with his oldest daughter, previous relationship he had, by his brother-in-law. Does my husband have a case for defamation? Oh, I'm sure he, I'm sure he does. What do you say uh, has been spreading rumors to whom? Okay, so... He keeps calling my husband. We currently have a restraining order against this individual, temporary. On Monday, we're going for the permanent restraining order. He's been calling my husband for years, making saying that you allegedly had sex with your daughter. That's his messages he's leaving. But recently, we heard him on the voicemail tell his wife directly that my husband, as a child molester, slept with his own daughter. So yeah, there's there's defamation there. But who is he saying that to? Is he going out in public and wife. saying that? He said it directly to his own wife. Uh, that, I don't think that's defamation. He's just saying it to his wife. And uh, He said it to his wife and to us on tape. Uh, it doesn't even matter. I mean, it doesn't matter. Defamation is you have to be damaged in defamation. Now, defamation per se, I guess. But it's, uh, uh, it's, it's one of those things where if you tell me something or you tell your wife something and it's a lie and it's an accusation, therefore, my reputation has been ruined. To whom? Yes, to his family, because he's also made these statements, different statements to family. The only problem is the mother of the of, of my husband knows this. She heard this, but she doesn't want to ruin her relationship with her daughter. All right. So are the, are the, are the rumors being spread in public? To family. Just to family. And then the, the wife, I'm sorry, the wife who is my my husband's sister, she put on Facebook that my husband likes to watch little kids. Okay, there you go. Now yes. we're talking in public. Yes. 
All right, yes, there you go. That's where I down. want. That's where I wanted to go. And she also referred to the Cosby, the rapist Cosby, who was just convicted of rape when she made the reference that my husband likes to watch little kids in relation to what her husband has been saying. All right, yes, that's defamation. Okay, so we went on your website, but we couldn't really find an attorney that really does a lot with defamation. Yeah. Now, also, Morgan, even when you do, uh, Alicia, I don't think you're going to get much because there just isn't a lot of money there. Well, they have a nice, expensive home. That's not the point. There isn't, uh, in terms of getting money for the defamation, uh, and having a nice, expensive home doesn't do anything, even when you have a, a judgment. Going after a house is not easy. Um, so you're going to have to find a defamation attorney mm-hmm. and uh, find out where you sit. I think it's it's a case of defamation. The issue is, is it worth any money? And I don't know the answer, because yeah. I don't... I don't it's because it's his daughter. It's, it's painful for him. It's painful, that. yes. And there yeah. is uh, emotional distress. There's a few things uh, that uh, are, are there. Probably the emotional distress part, uh, intentional infliction of emotional distress, is probably even stronger than defamation. Uh, oh, you, that's a different claim. Yeah, different claim. Okay. I think that's stronger, actually. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, you want to find a, a, a lawyer who uh, is in a defamation, and uh, you can defame him or her, and just just find one and see what happens with that. Because I have no idea. Never done that kind of law. I've defamed a lot of people. People have defamed me, so I know it on a personal level very well, but not on a legal level. Hello, Joan. Uh, welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Uh, my question is. My fiancé and I own a home together. Uh, We are both on the title. Several years ago, we had to refinance, or we chose to refinance, and only I qualified, so my name is on the mortgage alone. My question is, how can I make him responsible for his part of the mortgage? Can I get a promise? Well, he doesn't have any responsibility for his part of the mortgage. There is no his part of the mortgage, Joan. You're on the mortgage. He is not. Right. So but how do you... I get a contract written up that he will pay me? Yeah, if he signs it. He will, but I mean, do I need to see an attorney for that? No, I just, uh, yeah, I mean, you could, but uh, just uh, even a basic, uh, yeah, you know what? I have an attorney to write up a, a, a contract. Sure, why not? It'll take a, a couple of hours. You'll spend a few hundred bucks, and it's probably worth it uh, because you want to make absolutely sure if he goes south on you uh, that you are covered completely uh, for sure. I mean, how big a mortgage is it? What do you pay a month, and how big is the mortgage? The, the mortgage is um, twelve sixty a month. The mortgage is about $220,000. And you're paying? It's tw- worth over a million. And you pay $1,260 a month? Yes. On a million-dollar house? Yes. With a $200,000 uh, mortgage on it? Well, that's yes. worth some, that's worth some money. I was about to say you can always walk out the door and just leave the house, but you're not about to do that for a million-dollar house. Yeah, I'd spend, yeah. Uh, I would spend, I would spend, you know, 300 400 bucks, whatever it is. It's an easy one uh, where, um, yeah, it's worth it. Get an attorney. Okay. All right? Thank you. All right. Well, okay. Uh, sometimes. You know, I mean, it's an easy contract, but it's one of those that there's so much money involved, uh, especially over 30 years, that you truly want to get, uh, you want you want your butt covered on that. Uh, hello, Lewis. Welcome. You're up. 
Hey, uh, went, I, I resigned the position, got hired with a new company, uh, started three days after my resignation, uh, was uh, for a truck driving position. I worked for them for about 20 hours. After that, they said the truck was not working. Uh, haven't paid me. It's been over a month. Wait, 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 wait a minute. You're talking about the old company didn't pay you or the new company hasn't paid you? New company. And they haven't, and you're still working there? Uh, no, they haven't called me back. They keep saying, oh, the truck's... All right, were you, uh, were you an independent contractor? No. They, they try to do a 1099. All right, and no. so, uh, and what are they, and they're saying the truck doesn't work, therefore they don't pay you? Exactly. Well, wait a minute, but do you say, but how about the 20 hours I put in? Don't I get paid? Exactly. So I sent a text to guy, told him, hey, you know what, I understand, that's fine. When it gets going, give me a call. Uh, uh, but uh, what about the 20 hours? He said, yeah, we'll go ahead and take care of that. That's been about two weeks. Sent him another message asking him the status, and they're not getting back to me. Well, I mean, didn't you go to the state on that one? I mean, that's an easy one, Lewis. Uh, you go to the labor board and just report them. I mean, they got to pay you. It's a, it's a pure violation. I mean, that's the first responsibility is to pay you. I'm just, I'm just fascinated by the truck isn't working. They have one truck? Yeah, it's actually a couple of guys that started up a business, and uh, they were bringing me on, and I was like, okay, this sounds good, something I might want to be a part of. You know, they, they yeah, you know, Lu- Lewis with a bunch of stuff. Yeah, Lewis, bail out of there. When you get your money, which you will, get another job someplace. Okay. Uh, it, when, it, when they're, if your first 20 hours you're working for a company, they don't pay you. What does that tell you, Lewis? Yeah, no, I, I understood that. Yeah, you know, I went in for a couple hours, moved the truck from, took it to the mechanic. The mechanic wanted 20000 to fix it. They said no, so they had me go pick it up on the way back. It broke down. I had to fix it for them there, brought it back, and did a whole bunch of things, and and nothing. And then I, you know, went back to them and said, "Hey, what's going on, man? I haven't been paid." All right. Well, and, 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 then how much do they? How much do they owe you, Lewis? It's not that much. It's about. It was like twenty bucks an hour, so it's about four hundred bucks. Four hundred bucks. You can, uh, at this point. Well, you can also sue them in small claims court. Okay. You know, you can do that. So you got a couple of choices. I would both sue them and report them. And I don't know if I. I think you can do that. But uh, assume for t- you go to small claims court, then you'll get the money virtually immediately uh, because they're not even going to show up, Lewis. You're going to serve them, and they're not going to even show up uh, because okay. wh- what's their defense? We don't owe the money to Lewis. The truck broke down. Uh, you're still working for them. Yeah, yeah. I still I got all the correspondence on text and voice. Then yeah, it's just a, that's just a question of proof, Lewis. So what are you doing to eat now? Oh uh, no, I'm, I'm I'm well. I'm okay. I'm you know semi-retired. I'm taken care of. But you know that's the reason I took the position because oh, okay, it, it, it was something new, and I was like okay. So I've been able to afford it. All right. That pisses me off is that if it was somebody that needed the position or needed the money or needed the job, they would have screwed this guy. Yeah. And you, where's the so, where's the truck now? I have no idea, man. All right. Find out where the truck yeah. is and put some screws in the tires. <laughs> that sounds like an idea. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, like eight that, tires and let guy. them deal with it. All right, Lewis. That's an easy one. Not so much the screws in the tires, although that is fairly easy. But, uh, no, you've, yeah, I think you have to take it uh, in a legal avenue. This is Handle on the Law. And uh, welcome back. This is KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handle here. Uh, pleasure having you here. And this is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Hey, Phil. Welcome to Handle on the Law. What can I do for you? Bill, I am allegedly a stupid criminal. Okay. So 20 years ago, I allegedly tried to commit um, identity theft. 
and I was caught within a few hours, arrested, and all that wonderful good stuff. All right, were you convicted? No, the case ultimately was dismissed. I okay. All right. So, but the one thing that was never addressed is they never addressed allegedly how I got the information I was using. I worked for a bank at the time, but nobody ever actually asked me who I worked for. Um, so my concern is that um, while I was while I was addressed in state court, could it come back at me um, in federal court? And the reason I'm asking is I'm I'm considering um, applying for federal licensure. Um, just so you know, I've been 100 percent clean. No, yeah, and the the answer is uh, I don't know because I mean there there there's no question uh, if a federal background check is done, uh, especially by a law enforcement uh, authority, they're going to know you were arrested. Uh, there's right. there's no way around that. But I think the answer is even if they know and you're applying for background, you say I was wrongly arrested and the case was dismissed. It's that simple. You know, people get wrongly arrested all the time and just say uh, there was no case there. And I think that's the argument. Now, they can go further on and uh, try to get the facts because a a clearance uh, is uh, beyond just uh, an arrest. For example, just hanging around the wrong people could get you bounced on a background check. Uh, Or uh, it it depends, even uh, being expelled from school. For for lying, uh, when they do an investigation, may get you bounced, and there's certainly no criminality there. So uh, the answer is, um, uh, yeah, they could, but uh, I think, well, first of all, it was that many years ago, Phil, so we're talking about a long, long time ago. It was a wrongful arrest in which there was simply no evidence, and they dismissed the case, and that's the way I would handle it. But okay. is it going to come to bite you in the ass? Uh, I don't know. It might. Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Bill. Yes, sir. For the last year, we've had this little bout with my in-laws' neighbors. So it started as a, like a innocent little parking dispute. They don't have a driveway, and everybody parks on the street. And the neighbor parked on the sidewalk where my kid was riding up and down on his bike. So my, my father-in-law walked over and asked him to move the car off the sidewalk. He blew up. It wound up we had to call the cops because he was threatening my father. So over the past year, these guys have been doing some crazy stuff. Like they tried to hit my kid while he was on the sidewalk with their vehicle. Wow. As we're trying to get into our cars, they will swerve so close that I was actually hit by the mirror once. So we've called the police multiple times on this. Well, it seemed to have been slowing down. And then two weeks ago, one of their household members went to my mother-in-law's place of business. She's a security guard at a public location. And she decided to make a scene with my mother-in-law to the point where uh, she had my mother-in-law in tears. The police were called because she started threatening people at my mother-in-law's place of business. And then to top it all off, my mother-in-law was suspended Uh, without pay because of the incident. Can my in-laws go after her civilly for loss of income? Yeah, I would. Yeah. Okay. I would, then, I would argue would you could. Through a personal injury attorney? Yeah, probably, or a discrimination attorney. One of the two. But I think, yes, uh, I would go after this woman. Do they have assets? Uh, no. 
Two of them are unemployed because they keep getting DUIs. All right, so where, where, is, where are you going to go? I, I don't know. That's the only thing is I don't know what they're going to what they're going to get without yep. having to like lean on their car. No, they don't lean on anybody's car. No, so I don't. I don't know if they. Have, I don't know what to. Do. You have to keep on calling the police. Uh, you can get a temporary restraining order. I'm surprised they your mother get would a temporary restraining order. Like. All right, if they violate it, you call the police on that one, and uh, and the police aren't going to do anything for the first, second, third, fourth time. But then it'll happen. And uh, as far as your mother being suspended, uh, you're now talking about employers who uh, are just kind of asses about that because it's certainly not her fault especially she explained what's going on and you have crazy people and they should simply call the police i mean are there are the neighbors trespassing on uh, the uh, the business property they no because it's a public it's a city library that she's the security guard of. oh now okay now and she works for the city she, when she works for a contractor for the city. She ah. works for a security contractor. Oh, boy, that's tough. And the contractor uh, doesn't care. And the contractor does not care, even though she was, yeah. like, they, they're, they're I, looking at harassment charges for this woman. I would, get, I, would get her, I would get out of there and uh, just get a place that uh, actually cares about its employees. But that's just uh, advice on the other side. But, sure, I would sue, but it's not, yeah, no lawyer is going to take it, by the way, Aaron. No lawyer is going. You don't to, think so? What? Where's the money? Uh, how does a lawyer? How does the lawyer get paid? Now, can she go after the employer? Because... No, no. Really? Right. The the employer can say it's you're just not worth the hassle. If they suspended her because she was the victim of a crime, doesn't matter. It's not. It's they can they can suspend her for any reason as as long as it's not as her being a protected class. That's it. You're talking about uh, ethnicity, religion, uh, that sort of thing. Handicap, when you uh, have an ADA situation, uh, no, they can suspend. That's why I'm telling you, get the hell out of there. Okay. Yeah, it's no fun to be in those situations. It's uh, absolutely nuts. Okay, this is Handle on the Law. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you, you have absolutely no case. Oh, this is a real fun one. And uh, this is out of New York, Long Island. And there is a guy, Russell Cohen, who happens to be a driving instructor. And so he's taking a class with four driving students in the course, and they ask him to pull over, and uh, they do. And uh, one of them gets on uh, the phone, calls 911, saying, you know what? Our driving instructor uh, for the Suffolk Auto Driving School uh, was drunk while he was driving. He was teaching us how to drive, and he was drunk at the time. you got to admit, that's pretty good. You don't often see that. Anyway, uh, the students uh, managed to have him pull over at McDonald's. Uh, he leaves the students at McDonald's after they don't come out. Uh, he realized something is wrong. He drives off crashes into the rear end of another car about an hour later, and the 29-year-old woman in the other car was taken to the hospital uh, in pretty serious injury. Not life-threatening, but she was uh, pretty pretty seriously injured. He was not. He was charged with aggravated DWI, three counts of endangering the welfare of a child, and this is the first I've ever heard of a driving instructor driving while drunk and then getting into an accident. Pretty impressive, don't you think? By the way, I wonder how that driving school is doing. 
the Suffolk Auto Driving School. I guess they're uh, going to have to add in parentheses, our, our instructors are no longer drunk. I mean, what else are they going to do? Let's take some phone calls. Uh, okay, Phil. Yes. Yes. Go ahead, Phil. Yes. Um, I had transmission problems. Took my vehicle in to the shop here in San Diego. Gentleman uh, took the vehicle in. He said, I asked if he could repair it. He said, yes. Put it up on the rack. Found out that the transmission was unrepairable. They had to replace it. And I found out uh, the next day that uh, he could not uh, find the transmission on the West Coast. So we decided to go is this for Is this for a new Found transmission that. or a used one? No, this is a uh, this was a used transmission. Okay, a rebuilt yeah. transmission he couldn't find, but that was, that's what he promised to do. Yeah, is... Right, he was going to rebuild it. And All right. The, the transmission was totally wrecked, so there was no way he could rebuild it. So we had to replace the whole transmission. He said he couldn't find one on the West Coast. I found out later it was a lot of bunk. We went on the internet, found one in Florida. It's in Florida. That's not the West Coast. I know. That's what I. That's what I. I had to go to Florida. Yeah, one. I understand. But if he couldn't find one on the West Coast, and then you said that's a lot of bunk, uh, why didn't you buy one on the West Coast as opposed to go to Florida and get one? Because I, I was ignorant. I listened to my mechanic. He says we can't find any on the West Coast. That's right. And, 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 oh, you're saying there were some on the West Coast. Yes. Ah, definitely. okay. And so you went to Florida assuming that there weren't any on the West, on the, uh, on the West, Coast, West Coast because you believed yes. you're – okay, fair enough. And I had him write out a warranty two years, unlimited nationwide, in, hand, in, in handwriting. And he gave me that warranty. Uh, we got the transmission out of West Coast, out of uh, Florida. Send it back. The warranty with that transmission stated that no one could work on that transmission if it broke down, other than the people that provided. It, the in Florida, wait a second, and you bought it with that uh, with that caveat. I didn't know that at the time. All right. Well, uh, hold on a minute. Was that in the? Was it in the document? Was it in the sales documents? No, it was not. So they just arbitrarily said uh, we're the only ones that can work on it without writing that down any place. You see, that warranty that they, when they sent that transmission in from Florida back to San Diego, that's when I got their warranty out of Florida that stated no one can work on this. Okay, who bought the, who, wait a sec, who bought the, uh, who bought the transmission, you or the, uh, or the mechanic? The mechanic. He the bought it. The transmission here in San Diego. Uh, he so bought you, it. Yeah, you got a mess on your hands. And you decided to go to independent mechanic, right? Uh, no. I took him to court. Well, no, no. I understand. But wait a second. You didn't go to a dealership. You went to an independent mechanic. That's correct. Okay. So you took him to court for whatever it cost you. And what happened small in court? Uh, the uh, small claims uh, uh, person, he, because I signed both uh, warranties, he would only take the warranty that was sent back from Florida. Okay. The transmission. All right. So the, transmission, the, the warranty that I wrote that he wrote out for me here in San Diego, he did not even. Take All right. So what? So so what? The judge said he's not going to honor the warranty. The judge said no warranty to San Diego, but the warranty as to Florida that says you have to bring it back to Florida for repairs. Correct. That's okay. Correct. What's your question? My question is, can I? Um, what can I do to make this person in San Diego um, 
abide by the nothing. That nothing. Did. Because nothing. the judge already held. You sued him, and the judge ruled for him. It's over. Oh, geez. What do you think? You think, wait, you think a judge says one thing and you go, I don't like it. What else can I do other than appealing it, which you can't appeal because you're the one that sued? I mean, hey, welcome to the, the world of uh, the court. Yeah, the world of the courts. All of that. Boy, how long did that take to answer the question? I mean, you went through the whole, this was war and peace. And I thought there'd be something at the other end of this. And, oh, and he ruled against me. What can I do? Nothing. Thank you for the phone call. Uh, hello, Maria. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, uh, Mr. Handel. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Uh, the situation is in year 2000, uh, we bought a house here in Southern California, but along with another couple. So on the deed, there is um, four uh, adults, like two couple and two couple. So the house is uh, um, pretty small. We're trying to either buy them out or have them give us our share or vice versa. We made several attempts um, to, you know, uh, make an appointment in the bank and have them come in, and they failed to do that. So um, we're, like, pra- practically like a, a hostage in the house. We don't know what to do. All right. Well, you can force a sale. That's an easy one. You can force a sale of the house. It's uh, a lawsuit for what is called partition. And uh, uh-huh. you then there's no choice. I mean, the judge is going to grant it. They're never going to stop uh, you from buying uh, from you from selling the house. I mean, they're going to try to do a mediation and they're going to try for arbitration. But in the end, it looks like that no, no one's going to agree. So uh, the house is put up for sale and uh, you split the proceeds. That's what happens. OK, what if um, we are. We are interested in buying the house. All right. Then you negotiate with them and buy it for whatever price. And if they're not willing to sell you the house at that price, then you go ahead and uh, for, they'll force the sale. Now, it could be that uh, the judge is going to give you uh, the right to buy it. will force the issue by uh, you do an appraisal. Both of you do an appraisal and the judge accepts one or the other or somewhere in the middle. And say, and if you have the ability to buy the house, then they will have to uh, they will have to give you the house for that amount of money. The problem is, is what if you don't agree? And uh, there, you that that once I say no, no, that's when they at the last resort they force the sale of the house. So that's what you do: contact a lawyer, contact a real estate lawyer. This is handle on the law. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel here on a Saturday. Welcome aboard, everybody. This is Handel on the Law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case. All right, Marie. Uh, There you go. Hi, Marie. Welcome to Handel on the Law. Yes, Marie, are you there? Oh, hi. Yes, ma'am. Bill, I have a question. Um, I have a triplex, and I have... Um, just recently become an owner, you know, with my um, uncle's passing. And the tenant that's lived there, oh, I'd say about 20 years, he's installed a washer, a dryer, and a dishwasher. And it's apparently a gas dryer because as the hot water heater went out, the plumber replaced the hot water heater, and he says there's a gas line going into this unit. So it's a 1950 building, and... I went to the building and safety, and they said there's no permits for a washer, a dryer, and a dishwasher. 
And I'm wondering, can I evict the tenant in rent control? Well, what did they do wrong? They've installed the washer and dryer. Oh, they've installed they've yes. installed the washer and dryer. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think you probably can. Okay. Yeah, especially since they have uh, didn't ask for it. Was there a washer and dryer there originally? No, it's a 1950s building, and a permit has never been taken out. Yeah, uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if that's evictable. Uh, it's certainly uh, you can force them to remove it. That's for sure. If, oh, on a 24-hour notice? Uh, no, they have to have time to do it. Uh, but uh, you're you're in the city of Los Angeles? Yes, it's under rent control. Yes. Okay, contact the Rent Stabilization Board. Oh, and they'd have the answer? They would have the answer. Oh, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Uh, that's an easy one. Uh, that's control. That's the, that is the rent control. Those are the rent control people uh, for sure. Carla! Hi, Carla. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Car- yes, Carla. Hi. I have a question. My daughter-in-law and I, she purchased a vehicle. I went ahead and co-signed for it. Um, she brought it back on time, but she was way over the mileage, and they're going after me for nine, well, almost $19,000. was on for the mileage. Or for Wait a minute. 19, they're going after on my, over the mileage for $19,000 in mileage? Right. How many miles did she have on this thing? I honestly don't know. She used it for her car, her job. I've never heard of such a figure. Because let's say it's, yeah. a, it's a quarter of, let me do some calculations here. It's a quarter mile, a uh, quarter of a mile. So uh, we're, you figure out. I can't do the math. Blake, can you do the math on this? $19,000 at 25 cents per mile. Uh, how many miles would that be? A lot. Right. I mean, thousands and thousands. Oh, as a matter of fact, it would be 19, well, uh, times 25, it would be, I don't know. I'm horrible at math. I wasn't a math she major. Was, she was over 100,000 miles on the vehicle when she turned it in. All right. She probably had, okay, so <laughs> let's say she had uh, uh, 10,000 miles uh, at a minimal lease. Okay. So she was out of her mind. She has a, a lease that's... Uh, I, I happen to have a lease car, and I have uh, 36,000 miles, which is a lot of miles. Normally, right. it's it's 10,000 miles, twelve or 15,000 miles. Okay, so she's over by 85,000 miles, and they're going right. after you. All right, what's your question? Okay, the thing is, 999 of it was on mileage. The rest of it they put on um, uh, for, for um, oh, what do you call it, uh, for wear and tear. And I said, why do you have it on wear and tear? She says, because they can't put that amount on mileage. And I said, I don't know. Why not? Why, could, why couldn't they put it on mileage? That's what I said. And I said, they said that their, their computer doesn't do that. Uh, how I hard said, is it? To, wait a sec. How hard is it to figure mm-hmm. out the math? I can't do it. But you sit with a calculator. It takes about 30 seconds. I don't know. All right. I well, I'd fight it. Just say no. Say no. Thank you. There is uh, no such thing as $18,000 worth of wear and tear on a car. That's what I told them. So they were gonna, they're going to put a lien against my house. No, they're not going to put a lien against your house. They're going to sue you. They throw a uh-huh. lien. If they throw, they told you they're going to put a lien against your house. Right. And this was a collection agency. Right. Okay. You t- first of all, they're uh, what they're doing is uh, uh, effectively trying to bamboozle you. They can't put a lien against your house. At first, it was the Ford dealer. I mean, I'm sorry, yeah, the dealership. It doesn't matter. And the, who told you about the lien against the house? The dealership or the collection it, agency? The collection agency. You tell them go right ahead and put the lien against my house, and you're going to get your ass sued off like you can't believe. Okay. They can't do that. They're scaring you. Well, my daughter-in-law made um, 
arrangements to pay $300 a month to them, and they sent her paperwork to sign, I will not sign it. Okay, and so she is saying that, and they've accepted $300 a month uh, for the program. That's it. You're done. Right. If they've accepted now, that, you're finished. Okay, now what happens if she doesn't pay for it? Then you're responsible. Then you're back after me? Yes. Even though she signs the agreement to but pay she, that amount of money? Well, yeah, but let me ask you this. When you say, if she doesn't pay, I will pay, what what, what part of that are we not understanding? Because that's what a guarantee is. Well, I didn't agree to the $300. Yeah, but she you did. that's right. So you're going to owe all the rest of the money. That's right. She breaches her contract, and they say, okay, that part is over. Now you get to pay the entire amount that's owed. Because she breached her agreement. That's right. Matter of fact, that's exactly what they're going to say against you. You mm-hmm. didn't sign that agreement. Therefore, you will all the money right now. Okay. All right. Now, what about them selling the vehicle? Does any part of that go towards? No. No. A lease is a lease. Because that's incorporated into uh, the price of the lease. The lease. Okay. All right. You're screwed. Thank you very much. Uh, it's absolutely lovely. Uh what happens when you guarantee or say, what's a guarantee? I will pay if the other person does not. Hey, what, what part uh, that we're not understanding that I will pay, I promise to pay, can I get out of that? Well, you can try, but, uh, but she's the one that owes the money. Well, yeah, yeah. And uh, if she's unable, then I do it. Although I get a lot of those phone calls where people either don't understand what a guarantee is or do understand and want out because it's not fair. I didn't get the money. I didn't get the car. It's not fair that I should pay. Couldn't agree with you more. There's a defense, incidentally, when you get sued. That works very, very well. Uh, So you're in front of a judge. And uh, the uh, plaintiffs, the people that are suing you for the money, stand up and they go through the whole thing. Here's a contract. Here's the that was not paid on time. Uh, Here's the guarantee. And your entire defense is it's not fair. And the judge, you know, you're absolutely right. It's not fair. Case over. Please. Uh, This is Handle on the Law. Welcome back to KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Hi, Susan. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes, Susan, you're up. Okay. That's a good start, Susan. Okay. Let's see if we can go beyond that. Okay, I'm not ready. I'm sorry? Okay, that's what she said. All right, uh, let's just do it. You ask a question, Susan, and I try to answer it. Let's do it. Okay. Um, tonight, in the city of Malibu, they're, they're going to be trying to fight short-term rentals. And there's like a 1,000 people that are for short-term rentals and very few that are against it. And I want to go up to the microphone and speak my, my thoughts and what suggestions do you have. You sign up. Uh, that's simple. I mean, if open hearing, they have to let people uh, speak. The only limit, right. the only limitation is how many they're going to have speak. If you've got three hundred right. people, they're not going to let three hundred people go up. They don't take days and days. Right. So, but what words do you think are good for me to say um, 
you know, really strongly stating that we are for the short term. Whenever you can, Susan, whenever you can. They're going to open up to both sides. And you get up there and you start speaking uh, as soon as they give you the okay. You'll be told when to go up there. All right? Yeah, good for you. All right. Uh, That's the person I would want definitely being my spokesperson, wouldn't you? You betcha. All right. Joe. Hello, Joe. Hi, Bill. Yes, sir. Um, Hi. I have a a sister who was going through some mental health issues, bipolar, depressed, things like that, and she inherited some money. And what happened was during this this period, she started seeing a psychic, and the psychic took her for $50,000. You know, and so now she's being treated and she's kind of back to normal. Can we sue the psychic? Yes. Yes. Matter of fact, I'd go beyond suing the psychic. I'd go to the police. Oh, yeah. That's abusive. Oh, I, absolutely. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's right into... Uh, how old is your sister, by the way? She's uh, 52. All right. Well, that's not elder abuse, but it's certainly fraud, fraud by the inducement. I would argue now that uh, that, that is pure criminal. Now, the cops probably won't touch it because the cro- cops, anytime there is a potential of a civil action, the cops say, go take it civilly. Mm-hmm. And so uh, what you have to do is file a lawsuit on behalf of your sister, have her file a lawsuit asking for the money back. But you've got a couple of problems uh, when you're dealing with a psychic. Anybody who's a psychic doesn't make a lot of money. Right. And anybody who's willing to rip someone off for $50,000 has already spent it. Uh, the other thing when you're dealing with a psychic, they know everything you're going to do beforehand <laughs> and can anticipate everything. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it's, uh, it's a problem. I hear you. Yeah, All right, but go ahead and file the lawsuit. That is uh, that is pretty abusive. And how uh, how mentally ill is your sister, by the way? Oh, she's been in rehab for like six weeks, and she's out now. Like she's on an outpatient basis. No, no. But is she is she the point where she's incapacitated and can't uh, care for herself, or she's fine that way? She can't work, but she can drive a car and function through the daily routine. But she just can't hold the job. Well, that doesn't make her mentally incompetent. That just means she can't hold a job. I've got a whole right. family of those. Okay, oh, yeah. you yeah. got it. Fair enough. All right, Joe. Uh, yes, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Sure. So my husband and I, we own a building. We've owned it for about 20 years, and we have a neighbor who bought his building about 10 years ago, and he's super uncooperative and hostile, and we need to do some maintenance like stucco repair and painting. On your, and on your property? On our building, but our building goes up to our property line, and he won't let us go on his property. Oh, yeah. Okay. He has to let you do that reasonably. So uh, he obviously is being a jerk, and uh, you're pretty well probably going to have to go to court and oh. ask for a restraining order, stopping him from not allowing you to go on the property. I mean, theoretically, he has the right to say nobody on, on my property, but at the same time, uh, there's, there's a reasonableness that's involved and uh, how, do, how does a property you have go right up to the property line? How, um, isn't there a setback? There's not a setback. There's a setback in the front, but not on the side where we, you know, we have other, you know, it's, so we have to go to court is what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I think, you're gonna, I think you're going to have to go to court uh, or talk him into it or pay him off or whatever the hell people do. Uh, I've had neighbors uh, that are not particularly cooperative and it just cost me money. And uh, it's just a horrible way to go. Uh, hey, Greg. Yes, sir. Welcome I to know. Handle on the Law. Yes. Got a question in a class action lawsuit they want, want to run past you. I received a, a check in the mail for $2,350-some off a class action lawsuit, and it said by cashing it, I no longer held them responsible. Right. We were going to pay out 60% of the damages. So I cashed the check. A month later, they sent me a note. We think we made a mistake. We might have overpaid you or underpaid you. We don't know. Don't cash the check. Well, I had already cashed it. Three months later, they sent me a note. Yep, we did make a mistake. You owe me $259 back. 
Do you think I should pay that back or just tell hey, them? If they, yeah, I, what I would do is I would tell them to go pound sand. Uh, what are they going to do for $250? Are they going to sue you? The only thing you have to be uh, careful about if they ding your credit. Then you have to wonder, is it worth $250 to have my credit dinged? But, uh, or is that donged? Uh, I know yeah. ding is they want to ding your credit, and they have donged your credit. I always get confused with the verbs here. In any case, uh, it's um, uh, yeah. I would tell them to go pound. You're talking about a, a, a law firm that's doing that, right? Yeah, it said it's a settlement from the. Yeah, I'd say. Uh, yeah, 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 I would just. I would. I would ignore it. I would, it's first class mail. I would. I if it were me, I would ignore it. Yeah. All right. Well, and, that's what I was just. Yeah, but when they sue you and uh, get a judgment. And wipe your credit out for 10 years uh, combing. And I would have said, you shouldn't have done it. That's what you get for listening to me. I wouldn't listen to me. Why would you? Uh, hey, Steve. Uh, welcome to Handle on the Law. Thanks, Bill. Yes, and sir. Two years ago, we got um, solar panels through Verindo. And six months after they filed for bankruptcy, they promised us, you know, our bill would be like $50 a month to Edison after that. And it's way more than that. Um any ideas what my options are moving forward? Yeah. I can't really sue them because they're uh, right. They're bankrupt, and there's uh, no yeah. place. There's no place you can go to get the money. That's the problem. Not only do they not have the money, Steve, uh, by law, uh, they're no longer obligated to pay you back. Okay. Now, what about Mosaic Solar? Who they sold my? And that's who I paid the. Um, well, hang on a minute. I, you don't have to give me names, but wait a sec. Your oh. contract was with Solar uh, Company A, right? Right. Okay, and they went bankrupt. Right. Okay. So, what's this other company? Well, what do they I do? Make my payments from my seller system to Company B. Uh, th- but that's just your payment. Doesn't mean uh, that you have a, a relationship with them. So, what happens is uh, that you're still going to owe. It's even worse than that because they bought the paper, and uh, you owe the people they bought the paper to. It's not you. You owe the money. Why do you want money right. back from? Uh, let me ask you: On what basis are you asking for your money back for uh, from Company A? Oh no, I, I want them to add more panels so that I. Oh, they don't have to. No, no, no. They they don't. They they're not obligated to do anything. They're out of business, Steve. Okay. Yeah. So you're, that's, no, uh... no, there's no recourse. You can't force them. You, you're forcing a company that doesn't exist anymore. Right. So uh, okay. where are you going to go? You might as well call me up and go, Bill, I want you to do it. <laughs> you know, Bill, why not? Do it? Yeah, no, I won't. I, are you ready for this? I actually had another company put in my solar system. And are you ready for this? They haven't gone bankrupt. They're, they're solvent. Although it's, uh, I have to give you uh, some leeway here. Uh, very few people check on the solvency of uh, companies they deal with. Uh, let me look at your financials. And then companies that go bankrupt generally have financials that show them be okay. So what do you do with that? Do you hire a, a forensic accountant to look at their financials to make sure that they're not going to go bankrupt? I mean, you can go on and on and on. So uh, the bottom line is uh, you got screwed and I didn't. Can't be all bad. This is Handle on the Law. This is KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handle here. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Welcome back for marginal legal advice. Hello, Shirley. Hello. Uh, Hi, don't call me Shirley. Welcome to the show. 
Thank you very, very much for taking my call. Sure. Um, my husband passed away two years ago, and uh, at that particular time, um, my accountant uh, took care of, uh, I had one bank, an IRA, and uh, it was a whole rigmarole. It, it took a long time to, to resolve it, to turn it over to my, to my IRA. Anyway, right now, um, I, I got a letter from another, another bank that I have, and um, they said uh, his account was inactive. And uh, it went on and on, and uh, uh, the telephone number that they gave me wasn't the telephone number that I needed. And, oh, I went through a whole thing. I was on the phone uh, for a couple days, four hours, four hours. Uh, I got somebody that is trying to help me. In fact, they got the uh, death certificate. I I have a savings account in that bank, too, for many, many years. And um, uh, I know they had the death certificate at that particular time, but they said they didn't have it for the IRA. And uh, uh, they gave me the runaround. I was disconnected. All right, so, I, I, so I Shirley, got it. So, Shirley, first of all, uh, let me ask you this. Uh, New York or New Jersey? Uh, Boston. Boston? Okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Sorry been, about that. I've I, been in California over 50 years. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You still sound like you just got oh, off yes, the uh, bus I think, yesterday. Well, I, I was educated there, and my relatives are, were there. And, you know what? Uh, I, you're right. You know, Boston accent. Somehow I, I mix it up, but I tend to default to New York or New Jersey, and that's not your case. All right. No, so no, what do you? So what's your question, Shirley? Uh, anyway, I, I just wonder how they can torture you. Because they torture you. Because they can. Yes, How can they can torture you? They can torture you because they can, and yes. uh, they do that as a regular course of events. So, they want to take the money. They want well, they're not going to take the money. I mean, surely no. they're not going to take no. the money, but no. it's going to be... Sure try not well, to they, it's true. They may make it as difficult as possible right. for you, but I just went through one of those uh, with a bank account uh, that was in my mother's name to try to get the money out. It was a Bank America account, mm-hmm. and I had to go back four times. You did? Oh, yeah. Oh, crazy stuff. Yeah. And uh, I showed them the power of attorney... And they wouldn't take the one that was already on file. I had to get a new one. And it was just over and over again. And then their final one was, uh, and keep in mind, I'm hours into this. Their final one was, I'm, they're looking at my mother's uh, signature mm-hmm. and say, oh, the signature doesn't match the signature that we have when she opened the account. Oh, my God. I said, my mother's 95 years old and has Parkinson's disease. What? You uh. want them? And still, and then the manager said, well, we have to kick it up to legal for the third time. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, they gave me the money, and uh, I can't sue them. That's what they do. Terrible. terrible. They're terrible. So the we're, answer. We're not civilized. No, well, they're not civilized. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. yeah. So, Shirley, there isn't jack you can do. Get your money, get it out of there, never go to that bank again, and uh, that's that's all. And there are some banks that are terrific. Uh, just not that one. That's right. Okay. That's right. The other bank was was very helpful. See, to me. that's the well, that's the I bank you and that's the bank you want to deal with. All right, yeah, Shirley. You're yeah, right. and everybody wants to sue, and you know how I say, ah, everybody wants to sue, everybody wants something. You know, with these banks, when they put you this kind of grief, and they do, and I don't know why they do that. Whether it is a bureaucratic nightmare that's purposely established, or where they're very good is to getting money instead of money walking out the door. For example, insurance companies are much better at getting premiums than paying out money. Getting money from insurance companies, for example, can literally be a fight. Uh, It's sometimes tooth and nail to get money out of an insurance company. You never have that problem paying the premiums. They never make it difficult for you. Now, there are also insurance companies that do a terrific job. I happen to have uh, Mercury Insurance, and I want to give them some kudos because I have never had anything but a terrific experience with Mercury. I've been involved in a couple of accidents, not my fault, I might add, and I went to my insurance company to let them take care of it as opposed to me dealing with the other insurance company. They were spectacular. Follow-up, what can we do to help you? Called me back, and so I'm a huge fan. Uh, then there are other insurance companies, not so much. Although Mercury's pretty good about getting uh, taking my premiums, too. They're not too bad about that. Yeah. 
Hi, Nancy. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. Yes, ma'am. My uh, mother-in-law passed away three years ago, and we found out last year that she left the property land to the three sons. And my husband passed away this year, and I wanted to know uh, what happens if the property just go to the other sons. It depends on uh, what the will said. If it turns out that the property already transferred to your, uh, your husband as well as his two siblings, uh, then his third goes to his heirs. Uh, unless there is a joint tenancy where the property goes to who's ever left alive. So you have to look at how the property is held. Uh, but uh, the, the rule uh, of law basically says that whoever is uh, inherits from him is owns a third of the property. Okay, great. Okay. I appreciate that. Thank okay. you so much. You got it. I just made that up. Like, I know. Please. You know, I don't understand why people believe me. You know, is it because I sound so credible? Is that it? Handle here. This is Handle on the Law. This is Handle on the Law. Uh, Here is a case where Uber just skated by. So there's a class or was a class action lawsuit against Uber by, what, 250,000 drivers arguing they're entitled to benefits like reimbursement for gas. Uh, Benefits is any employee. And uh, so uh, this decision by the court took that class action suit, which had been certified by the courts, and then decertified it, said, "Uh, no, you don't have uh, a class here. Here's what's so important about this, because Uber drivers sign an arbitration agreement saying that if they have a dispute with Uber, they have to go to arbitration, can't even file a lawsuit, which happens all the time. And the uh, attorneys wanted to unravel that by saying, you know, this, the arbitration clause is nothing. It's not effective because we have a class action lawsuit here against Uber on behalf of the drivers. And the court said, you're right. Well, guess what? That's now been overturned. Uh, the federal appeals court said, uh, nah, Uber's right. No class action. That literally keeps the company alive. A class action could have truly hurt uber well would have uh, hurt uber when you're talking about so many drivers and uh they they were saved they won so for those of you who uh, make a living with uber and you work 18 hours a day and you can barely make a living and can't feed your kids uh, you've lost again Uh, uber wins big bad uber okay let's take some phone calls mike hello mike you're up welcome to handle on the law Hi, I had a question about subjugation. I got in a car accident, and they took me away in an ambulance. Uh, I went to the emergency room. I had an MRI done. I uh, lost work for a couple of weeks. Uh, the health insurance company from the person who hit me, they paid me a settlement. Uh, and the medical bills uh, reached about the same amount that my settlement was for. Then my health company, health insurance company, uh, sent me a letter that said that they want all the money uh, because of subjugation. No, it's first of all, uh, it's not. No, 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 no. You are mistaking subrogation with subjugation or subjugation. Okay. One is when you hire a dominatrix to beat you up. <laughs> okay. The other one is when an insurance company or a medical provider, actually it's uh, only with an insurance company, but the medical provider under your agreement for medical care is entitled to money back if a third party pays for it. 
So uh, that's the problem. How badly were you banged up? Uh, not too bad, but the you know, luckily I came out of it okay. With I just needed some physical therapy, uh, but the cost of the MRI and the uh, the the ambulance right down there, it, it I was I was out of work for two weeks. Okay, then what you do? Physical. Fine, but you settled the case, right, Thomas? Oh yeah, all done. All right, then where are you going to go? Because you, uh, you you didn't you only settled for medical bills? No, no, no. They they didn't. Uh, when they settled, they didn't. They didn't put any sort of. Yeah, that's the problem. Uh, that is your problem because you screwed uh, up that settlement. I'm assuming you didn't have a lawyer, right? No. Yeah, you're an idiot, and here's why. <laughs> and I'll tell you why because they effectively only gave you enough money to cover the medical bills, and your medical provider is entitled to money back when a third party pays for it. Now you can negotiate with a medical provider. Uh, usually what a lawyer does under these circumstances is not only try to get as much money from the person who hit you, but also when there is a medical provider, for example, a an insurance plan, you have a medical insurance plan, starts negotiating, say, hey, wait a minute, you know what, you're not entitled to all of it, maybe you are, let's go two-thirds, let's go half, so everything you did was wrong, and uh, congratulations, uh, you've got no place to go, you have no case, wonderful. Well done, well said. All right, Thomas, it's your turn. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yeah, my dad's really old. He's like 83 years old. Yeah, okay? that's not particularly old. Not today anymore. <laughs> when your dad is 90, that's old. Well, yeah, he's 83 years old. He's uh, fairly wealthy, not a millionaire, but there's you know probably a half a million, maybe $700,000 in, in, involved in money that's in stock market funds and bank accounts and things like that. So my brother and I, we decided together that when he dies, which could be as soon as this weekend, who knows, um, but when he dies, we were just going to go down to the bank and withdraw the money from the ATM machine. Uh, we've got the uh, online account passwords and stuff for his uh, mutual funds and stock market funds, and we were going to just withdraw that money, split it in half, mm-hmm. and, and call it a day. All right, so uh, are we you two... We weren't going to do any kind of probate. Yeah, yeah, I know, I understand. Kind of... But hang on, hang on. Were you, are you two the only beneficiaries? Are you two the only kids, yeah. and there's nobody else out there? No, no, okay. there's, there's nobody else. Yeah. We're not talking about and you, you know stealing money now from another brother. All right. you, you know, I understand. Our, our mother's dead. Yeah, she, no, I get died. it. I get it. I get it. So now let's let's go through this. Uh, from the ATM, you can take two hundred dollars a day out, and that's uh, it's going to take you a while to go through seven hundred thousand dollars. Uh, well, I now, meant that facetiously. Yeah. We're going to go to his bank account right. online and, and just transfer the well, money. Into are our they? Are, well, let me ask you: Are those? Do you have your name on the bank accounts? No. How are you going to get? your name on those bank accounts when you transfer the money from his account into your accounts unless you have uh, do you have some kind of a document that the bank is going to allow you to transfer the money out no i've got his passwords oh then you know what no harm no foul thomas i mean in the in reality no you shouldn't do that but the only person that can that really could complain is are the beneficiaries and, and that's well, he it. does have some uh, creditors that he owes money on, some credit cards and things like ah, that. Ah, so um, now, okay, now what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, that, that's the reason why we're doing got it. it now what we don't then, want them to get, get any of the money. Yeah, we're not going to tell Thomas, him he's dead. Right. You Thomas, know, of course, that, we're not going to try to cheat yeah. Social Security or anything like that. Thomas, but this is just to, to take the money and right. not tell Visa card. Right, that's fraud. That's straight why? out That's what straight out fraud. What do I have to tell 
a third party that because I don't you're even know. because you are taking the money and he is still a debtor because there is an estate. What you are doing is taking the money from his estate, and what you're doing is screwing creditors. Creditors get money before you do, according to the law. Now, if they find out that you have done that, if they don't find out, obviously uh, they're not going to go after it, and I don't know what the chances of them doing it. It depends on the size of uh, the amount of money that he owes. Any idea the the, the amount of money that he owes? Oh, I'm, I'm sure it's less than $100,000. But that's still, you know what, let me tell you, if you owed me $100,000 and I got any wind of uh, you taking money out of an account that was his, I'm suing you. But how would you know, though? Well, I, you don't, but you can sit. You don't have access to his bank account. No, but I'll tell you, I may not, but I'll tell you it's not hard to find today on the Internet. Not at all. And it's a cursory check. It's to not find a, out how much money's in somebody's bank account? No, but to find out if uh, if there is a bank account. Yeah, I mean, there is a bank account. Yeah, but... I'm just telling you, it's the risk you're taking. Thomas, you're you're looking at fraud. And you may even be looking at criminal fraud. But that's the chance you take. You know, well, you're... I commit three or four felonies a day anyway. Oh, so. Then you're fine. Then it doesn't matter. Uh, but it is fraud. Screwing creditors purposely. Yeah, you can't do that. At least you're not supposed to. Uh, this is Handle on the Law. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel. Saturday morning. This is Handle on the Law. Hi, Karen. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you. Just a quick call. I enjoy your show. I had to get through real busy. Uh, just a quick question. Uh, I had a driveway put in uh, last year, and I, there was a guarantee on the contract. If you didn't like it well, they delivered the wrong papers, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they said if I returned the papers, there'd be an extra thousand. I said, well, I'd like to just cancel and get my refund. And they said, no, they wouldn't do that. All right. How much did you spend? Karen, how much did you, uh, Karen, how much did you spend? They offered me like seven hundred, and as an old lady and stupid, I said okay, and I should not have done that. Well, did you accept the seven hundred already, and did you sign off? Unfortunately, yes. All right. Well, so, what's your question? Well, my question is uh, this, this, that's it. I guess I can't uh, no. do anything about it. Not really. How much did you lose on this? Uh, it was thirteen thousand five hundred for the uh, the job. And you took seven hundred dollars. Yes. Now, do you still have the driveway? Oh, yes, because well, they said if they dug it out, I'd be driving on dirt, and I, all right. said, I really don't care. So how badly – well, they're not going to do that. So how bad is the driveway in terms of what it looks like? Because they put the wrong pavers in, the wrong color, the wrong shape. Uh, what did they put in that you didn't like? Well, I, they, when the people came to, to put the pavers in, they wanted to see a photograph or a design. I didn't have it, and I said, this is not what I want. So I called the office. And they said everybody was at a wedding, but I did speak to a reception girl, and she said it's a thousand dollars. Karen, I'm not asking. Pages. I'm not asking you that question. Sorry, I'm asking you, what do you not like? The color, the shape, the design. What part of it don't you like? Well, the design, and also the bricks are porous; they're not glazed. If anything, a leaf or something falls ah, on it stains. Uh, they're kind of like a house brick. Got I it. Heard not what I saw on yeah. the man's truck. But yeah, and when you I signed when contract. you when you signed the contract, did it specifically yes. state 
what the pavers were, the glazing, did it mention a model number or some description specifically no, what they nothing. were going to put in? That's no. a problem. So therefore, their argument is, you know what? You agreed to this. And you're going to say no, I didn't, and you have no, and you have absolutely no, por- no, no proof that you agreed to it. Usually, when you sign a contract as to pavers or anything, particularly pavers, because mm-hmm. I put pavers in my house and I looked and I chose the pavers, and here's the model number and here's the color. There it is on the contract. So, Karen, uh, a mistake was made the first time, and taking seven hundred dollars, I don't know what to tell you. What, let me ask you in terms of glazing: How much is going to cost you to glaze the tiles? You can put some cover on it. Well, I was, that's that's a good idea. I was thinking about that this morning. Yeah, just figure out, just day, figure but... out, yeah, figure out what you can put in terms of on top of it because uh, you did everything wrong, unfortunately. And you're right, you know, uh, little old ladies get nailed. Hello, Kirk. Hello. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Hello. Yes, sir. Hello. Yes, welcome Hi. to handle on the wall. Can, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Uh, my question was this: um, I was with dentist and, um, for a uh, to, to replace a missing tooth that I had to have pulled, and um, the resolution was to do a two uh, a three unit bridge. Okay, and um, I got asked for um, you know, maybe an implant, perhaps, or um, you know whatever. The recommendation was this, this three unit bridge, and um, I paid fifteen hundred dollars for it, and I owed like four hundred more dollars. And um, the, the bridge, when she placed it in temporarily, though, it didn't fit, and I could see that. And so the receptionist, you know, the, the office manager would not let me see the dentist to show her that this didn't fit. And I said, I don't want to pay any more if this is not going to fit. So time went by. I saw another dentist about three months later, and um, the dentist did an X-ray and said that that tooth um, could not support that, that bridge. It was too weak, and that the tooth had to be pulled, actually. So I lost the tooth. I, I, on the other side of my mouth, I had a, a tooth that needed a um, the crown replaced because it came off, and it was saveable at that point. I asked him to do that first. I ended up losing that tooth because she decided to do this bridge first that, that didn't work out. So I lost two teeth. I paid fifteen hundred dollars, got nothing for my money, and I was wondering if it's worth pursuing in small claims court. Well, here's the problem you're going to have in small claims court, Kirk, is establishing that that was malpractice. Because the doctor is going to testify that what he or she did was reasonable under the circumstances and as to the quality of uh, the care. Kirk, you have no experience. You're not going to be bringing any expertise. You're not a dentist, Kirk. And what's going to happen is you are going to ask questions, and you don't know what questions. For example, it didn't fit. Well, it, uh, it sometimes it doesn't fit for this reason, and that is not a problem uh, because it was temporary. I'm just throwing this out at you. And the reason the tooth was lost, it couldn't be saved, and I did everything to save it, and it still didn't work. So I'm really a hero. I'm really not at fault. That's the problem you're going to have. And you're dealing with. I hope that tennis I hope that dentist is willing to show up. Well, he's dead, but I have his notes. <laughs> well, okay, but again, that's great. So you have a dead dentist, and you're going to introduce that, which the judge may or may not uh, allow, and he's and the uh, dentist is going to explain all of that away. He's mm-hmm. simply going to take his dental experience and explain it away and saying, well, yeah, mm-hmm. that's what he said, but let me tell you what happened, and you can't refute it. Mm-hmm. That's the problem you have. Uh, by the way, I'm not arguing the dentist didn't screw you over. I get that. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's a question of, of, of proving it. And without uh, the expertise of a dental expert who's going to say no, and dead dentists who write notes, that doesn't cut it. Okay, here's my last question. Um, the fact that the receptionist at the office manager refused to let yeah, me Yeah, I know. Dentist, but that's not a lawsuit. Um, that's just her being a, a, a bitch on wheels. That's all. 
You know, unfortunately, that's not a lawsuit. I wish it was, but uh, it is not. This is Handle on the Law. This is KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handle here. Welcome back to Handle on the Law. Mike. Go ahead, Mike. Bill, I bought a new motorhome, and uh, I have an extended service contract on it. And I filed a claim pursuant to the directions in the extended service contract, and the claim was denied based on collision damage. Yeah, of course it was. Well, They're going to deny everything. Never been in a collision. All right, so you, you say that, and if they say no again, and you can say it's never been in a collision, you don't have any proof, and they keep on saying no, you know what? You sue them, and you also argue bad faith. Well, one of the one of the clauses in this extended service agreement says. This agreement is not an insurance policy. It's an extended service agreement between you and the selling dealer. All obligations and liabilities for repairs covered by the extended service agreement are those of the selling dealer and not. So wait a sec. So the well, that's so great. Them both? Yeah, no, no, because the problem you have is how can the insurance policy, if you will, say the dealer is responsible without the dealer signing off and accepting responsibility? Well, I agree. No, so what you bought is you bought nothing. Well, but with this extended service, you bought uh, nothing. They you, paid you, off before. Yeah, but that's because I guess someone decided that they're going to honor it. But think about this for a moment. I sign a deal with someone, and I say if there's a problem, you talk to Eric. And Eric, you don't have anything to do with it because hmm. the dealer has nothing to do with the extended warranty. You bought the extended warranty from a third party that says we're not responsible no matter what now do i think you have a lawsuit maybe because i would argue misrepresentation although the representation is right there they say we're not doing anything thanks for paying us the money but we're not doing jack well the money was actually in the contract was signed actually at the dealership i know but they're paying but you're paying that third party well if that's the case incidentally you just added another wrinkle to it where i would sue both because if the dealer says that we're, you're, I'm selling you a warranty, and it says we're responsible, or then you know what? It doesn't then matter because a dealer is agreeing that he's responsible if he sold you the warranty. He did. Well, then I'm going to argue the dealer's responsible. I'd sue them both. I'd sue them both. That's a mess. That is really a mess. Hello, Ava. Welcome. Hello. Yes, ma'am. Oh, Mr. Bill. Yes. I'm so happy to talk to you. Yes, you I are. have a mother. Who is 92 years old. I thought you were not. Ava, you sound like you're 92 years old. Oh, don't tell me that. Okay. (laughs) Um, Well, anyway, she's 92 living alone in a condo, and uh, uh, she's she's taking care of herself. Of course, sometimes she doesn't know what day it is. But uh, other than that, she cooks uh, sometime and uh, burns uh, food. And then ex- uh, the neighbor across from her called the fire department one time about a month ago, called the police one time. Now he's, he's uh, uh, sent some people from the Adult Protective Services to her. Yeah, I, I'm and kind pre- of concerned. Do yeah, I but need a lawyer? No, no, no. Have, wait a sec. Are you being accused of uh, any kind of elder abuse? Well, apparently, that's what he's saying. I don't care what he says. He can say whatever he wants, Ava. Now let's talk about what uh, any authorities have contacted you. Nobody. Okay, then you're not. You know what? Just because he says that, it doesn't matter. Now, do you have a duty to your mom? Not really. 
I mean, she's allowed. What will happen if she doesn't care for herself? And Ava, you are not prepared to do it. The state comes in and she becomes a ward of the state and someone makes decisions for her. I think it's the county guardian, whoever, uh, whatever organization that does. You're not you don't have a, a responsibility for your mother, Ava. So I should not be hiring anybody. You don't need anybody because they, no one's contacted you. Should I should I let these people in? No, you don't let anybody in. Oh, no. If they want to investigate, what do you have a key? Yes. Well, I would let them in and say, sure, I have a key, but I don't have any duty. Yeah, let them do it. And if, he, and if you don't want to take care of her, as I said, they'll just bring someone in to do that. You don't have responsibility. You're okay. Just because this idiot says uh, uh, you elder abuse or I have no idea what he's saying. It's crazy. All right, Wendy. Yes. Yes, go ahead. Um, my ex-husband uh, died at the hospital. He went in for complaining of chest pains. And next thing you know, they uh, had him. Um, took him into surgery, and um, I guess they nicked one of his organs down there, and he bled to death. And so we, my son got the uh, the coroner's investigation report, and I, we don't understand it, but it says the under mode, it says accident. But then when we read through the report, it says cause of death, hypertension, heart disease. All right. Now, are you suing for malpractice? Well, that's what we were looking into. Do, looking All right. Into. And do the notes say that uh, the... Does the note say that the artery was nicked? Yes, and then and then they say they couldn't locate the where the bleeding was. Wait a minute, they could, but you but you see, you have to prove that it was the bleeding that caused his death and not the hypertension. That's the argument you're going to make. And how old uh, how old was he? Uh, Sixty five. That's I think. pretty young, actually. That's pretty young. I mean, I mm-hmm. I would take it to a malpractice attorney just to see if there's anything there, but uh, because the coroner puts hypertension on there. Uh, mm-hmm. It's probably going to help the doctor, but if the medical notes say uh, that we nicked the artery, but we couldn't find the cause of the bleeding, that one's kind of unusual. Think about this. If you nick it, don't you know where you are? This is what it says. It says, um, we presented the hospital with comp- complaints. Well, excuse me. It says, he also noted to have um, anemia. It says, Surg- surgery was complicated by post-surgical bleeding. The site could not be identified. All right, but that doesn't mean he died of the bleeding. The surgery well, they, was... They, they, pretty the, much in, and if you read the whole report, it kind of feels like he bled to death. Well, if it says he bled to death based on malpractice, then there is uh, probably a malpractice case. I don't think you can have an easy time uh, getting an attorney, but give, uh-huh. it a, give it a try, Wendy. We have uh, plenty of attorneys that do malpractice on the website. So go to handleonthelaw.com and you will just go down the list of attorneys and look for medical malpractice attorneys. Uh, this is Handle on the Law. This is KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handle Saturday morning. Welcome back to Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. All right. Ray. Hi, Ray. You're up. Welcome. Yes. Um, I, I got a question. Um, I've been in my company close to seven years as a part, part-timer. Okay. Because of date of hire, there's always been a seniority. Now, they got rid of uh, one full-timer, so the next in line, which would be me, would be hired, um, according to the company, um, I would be hired as a full-timer. Okay, I got stooped, and everybody's been coming up to me. They knew I was next in line. They got the guy below me. And so, I know it's a personal vendetta against me. All right, it I could be. Off. And it could be a personal vendetta against you, but that's probably a too bad. Uh, here's, okay. By the way, is it automatic that part-timers move into full-time no matter how competent or incompetent they may be? 
Yeah, yeah. It's always been that way at this company. Always been the next person in line. Always go. They they go by date of hire. All right. Always been that way. All right. Here's the right. Here's the problem you have is let's say you're suing them for discrimination. By the way, uh, are you some kind of an ethnic or religious minority? I'm 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 Hispanic. You're Hispanic, and the guy who was brought up uh, white. No, no, no. What? All right. So the one who blew past you. what ethnic minority was that person? He's the same person as me. Same okay, no, that's right. So uh, racial discrimination is out. So now right. you are simply arguing that they didn't follow their procedure and not bring up the next person in line. So right. let's and say let's say you uh, you sue them for discrimination, and right. my argument is if I'm the boss, you know something? We've just changed the procedure. We're not going to do the next person in line. We're going to do the next person we feel qualified. Right. And how do you argue that they feel this other guy was more qualified than you? Oh, I, I have notes on this supervisor, how he's treating me throughout the years. I have notes on it. You know what he's done against me? Not arguing that. Was- I'm not arguing that because he okay. may just not like you. As long as he is not discriminating on race, creed, religion, he ju- he's allowed to simply not like you. Right. And so uh, you don't have a case there, partner. Okay. Yeah, no there, case. there's okay. no there's no case. See, a lot of people don't understand that discrimination is perfectly allowable. You can discriminate all day long. What you can't discriminate against is race, creed, religion, gender. That you can't do. If I don't promote someone because she's a woman and I promote a man and they can establish that's the reason I promoted the man, uh, then there's a case of discrimination. And if I can argue it had nothing to do with uh, it had nothing to do with gender. This person was simply more qualified. And in California, let me get let me tell you how crazy it gets in California. Even if I discriminate against someone based on race or gender. And there is another reason for me to discriminate, for example, or a legitimate reason for me to discriminate. Competency, better personality, better work habits, cleaner desk. And I also discriminate on race. I'm walking out. I'm getting away with it. The discrimination has to be solely based on the racial or religious discrimination or gender discrimination. All right, Dave, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. How are you, Bill? Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm uh, calling up because I have a problem with my city, and I was wondering if I could take them to small claims court. Uh, probably not. <laughs> cities cities are tough, but uh, tell me what the situation is, and then we'll go through it for a bit. Well, I had uh, got the approval from the city to build a retaining wall in my backyard. And uh, I had the inspector come out and give me the okay to begin, and he gave me the okay. I did step one, step two, step three, got about halfway done with the wall. And then another inspector came out and said, everything is wrong. Stop everything that you're doing. All right. And, it, has uh, he told you what you so have had, to do, uh, as in what? He said that I could not complete the wall as it was drawn, as it was designed per the plan. All right. And you, and based on the plan, you got the permit. Correct. And you follow that plan exactly. That's correct. All right. So what do you, uh, you take them to small claims court, what do you think you're going to get? 
Well, my cost that I've incurred, okay, so he told me to stop. I hired a civil engineer. We redid the permit. I got a new permit, and I'm going to begin work on the wall. Wait, 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 wait. Why did you simply agree and hire a civil engineer and get a new permit? Why, why would you do that as opposed to simply appealing what he said and saying, hey, I got I, I attempted. I attempted to appeal it, but uh, there were safety issues with the wall that the original inspector didn't see. Okay, I'm, I'm a little confused. And if there were legitimate safety issues uh, and it went through, and that could supersede them giving you a permit, uh, that's probably my guess, is that if, if they simply missed the original safety issues and the first inspector missed it, I think that uh, that probably supersedes. But what do you expect uh, small claims? You want them to pay for uh, the city to pay for what? Well, now I've got a demo. I've got a demolition out half of what I was yeah. given approval to you, do. You can try, but and, here's what you have to do. Okay, maybe you have a shot at it. I don't think so, but here's what you have to do. You have to appeal all the way up, all the way up as far as you can go. You have to exhaust right. every single appeal you have. Then you can take it to court. And okay. you, you've got to prove to the judge. And maybe it flies. You go, Your Honor, look what happened. They permitted me. The inspector said, okay, here I am. The new inspector says, no, tear it out. I just want my money back for doing what I did before because they stopped it cold. I, that's an argument. I'd go for it. Not that well, I think well, you're going to win. It's a bigger cost. It's a, I'm in for about ten grand. That's about right. You can, But you can do that in small claims court. Okay. Small at uh, ten grand will do it. I mean, you—that's within the jurisdiction. All right. All right. Try that. See what happens. All right. This is handle on the law.